wrap up with the parable of the lost son. Let's pick back up at verse 11. Then he, again, that's Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. I want you to, let's pause there real quick. Consider this. Don't you know that that as this son was on his way home, don't you know he was rehearsing that in his mind over and over and over? He was going, okay, all right. He would be like, Father, I have sinned. You know, and I, I, I just picture this. I picture this, this kid. He's coming home. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He's, he's got this thing down. He's rehearsed it. He's been thinking through what's the best appeal that I can give to my father. Because I told him essentially I wish he was dead and I could have, his, I could have my inheritance now. And, I, and, and now I've got to go back. And so how am I going to do this? I can just picture him over and over. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And then look at this. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said to him, here it is. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, did you see this? Did you see what really happened? Did you notice? He didn't get to finish his speech. Look, uh, earlier it says, he says, you know, he's, he's going through all this. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your high. He didn't get to that part. He didn't even get to the part where he's like, make me one of your hired servants. The father interrupts the speech and said to to his servants, notice the son didn't get to to, to finish what he said. He says to the servant, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for the son, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, 
He has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You kill the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother. Your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Key point three for us is this, that the parable of the lost son points us to the heavenly father who waits patiently for us to repent. So we have in this trilogy a beautiful picture of God, the Father, the, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we only get a glimpse of that. We don't get the full picture if we don't read all three parables. Uh, we, uh, and it's okay to see them individually, to see that, and to, and to focus on that. But to see the big picture is so important. The Son was still a great way off. And the Father saw him and had compassion. Had compassion. I want us to consider this. Our Heavenly Father allows us to distance ourselves, but he has great compassion for us when we are far from him. And he has so much compassion that even in our distance, he longs for us to come closer to him. And he waits patiently, waiting for us to change our mind and come home. Do you know that's what the word repent really means? It literally just means to change your mind. Repent comes from the, the word metanoia. It means to change your mind. Metanoia, change your mind. Now, the idea here is, as the son was out doing it, what did he do? He changed his mind. This is terrible. I had it better at home. And he did what? He repented. When we repent, literally all, the word is, all that word means is, I changed my mind. I'm no longer going to go my way. I want to follow the Lord's way. I changed my mind, and therefore I'm going to change my direction. Then the son doesn't even get a lecture when he returns, does he? Yeah, I mean, that's what you're expecting, right? Can't believe you wasted all that money. But instead, the heavenly father rejoices. What did we see in all three instances when the lost item was found? Rejoicing. Rejoicing over and over and over. Rejoicing. So let's wrap up with this. Let's wrap up with the, the, uh, uh, things up by discovering how this trilogy all ties, uh, all ties together, how all three uh, end with rejoicing. Because I want us to consider this. Rejoicing is not an emotion. Um, it's more than that. It's an attitude. Look back at it again. Look at verses one, 1 through 3. All the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying. So we are to see what's happening here is the scribes and the Pharisees were complaining, and every single parable ends with rejoicing. Where, where do you want to be? Do you want to be in the group of people that are constantly criticizing and complaining and seeing fault with every single thing? Or do you want to be part of the group that's going, I'm rejoicing that I'm seeing uh, lives changed by the gospel. I'm rejoicing that something that was lost is now found. The scribes and the Pharisees missed out because they were, they were so focused on themselves and so focused on their way of doing things that they, all they did was complain. For us, when we think about things that we lose, it's largely something out of inconvenience, right? I mean, when we get frustrated, ah, I've, I've lost my phone. 
it's usually not that, you know, so important that it's like you know, life-changing, right? I mean, it's, not, it's usually just an inconvenience for a little bit until we find it. I mean, until we head over to the computer and go, where's my phone? And then tell it to send a signal. And we found, okay, done. Or worse, you know, you lost your keys. Oh, I can't find my keys. And then what do you do? You get the spare set. It's, a, it's inconvenience. The most of the things that we lose are just inconveniences. That's, that's all they are. And that's what it boils down to. But when we consider these things, when we consider you know, that it's, it's not just the losing the keys, it's not just losing um, our wallet, we can cancel our cards, we can get replacements, we can, we can do all of those things. We, we, we lose the remote to the fire stick, we order another one on Amazon. When Jesus shares a parable, it should evoke an emotional response Um, This is more than just something that's inconvenient or for a season. This is life-changing. For the father, it was one of two sons. For the bride, it was, she had nine of the ten pieces of her jewelry, but it was incomplete. her, Her jewelry, her necklace was missing a piece. For the shepherd, it was only one out of a hundred, but it was still something of extreme value. Before you can find yourself in the parables, you have to ask yourself, what is my attitude toward those who are far from God? What is my attitude toward the tax collectors and sinners of our day? Because we really only have one choice, and that is to be in the group that wants to rejoice. Let's look back at verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, you ever notice this? Look at it again. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over God, uh, presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Ever heard, I've heard this said many times. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. I hear that all the time. But I want you to look closer. That's not what it said. Didn't say the angels in heaven are rejoicing. It says the re- there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. You know who I think is doing the, the most rejoicing? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is rejoicing in the presence of angels. The angels are seeing the Trinity of God rejoicing. That's what's taking place. Are the angels rejoicing? I'm, undoubtedly, I'm sure they are. But understand this, the scripture passage doesn't say the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. The one who is doing the most rejoicing is the good shepherd, is the Holy Spirit, is the father whose son was, the one who is the most rejoicing is the one who was searching for what was lost and now it's found. So in heaven, every time someone comes to Christ, it's not, it's not the angels in focus here that is doing the rejoicing. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are rejoicing with great joy. Oh, oh, what an incredible idea of just knowing that the Lord rejoices. Perhaps this morning you have wandered, rather, wandered far from the Lord. And this morning you've discovered that he's been searching for you. That he's looking for you. I want to invite you to come home to Jesus. I want you to know that today's message was to let all of us know and to let you know 
that God has been searching for you. And he wants you to come home. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to invite you to make this prayer your own. So if we could, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to perhaps just pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for making me and loving me and creating me in your image. Even though I've ignored you and gone my own way. I know that you've been in search for me. And I'm glad you found me. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of the things that I've done. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to make a relationship with you possible. And that he rose again the third day. Lord, thank you for giving me new life. Help me to grow in my faith as a Christian. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you, would you let me know? Maybe come and speak with me after the service is over. Maybe let me know that, that you have invited Christ into your life. If you're watching online, send us a message. Notify us through social media, however we can. If you're here this morning, we want you to know that we're praying for you as well, that you would respond.